Hey everyone, welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia, and this is my co-host Ben, and we are excited to open up the text, get ready for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany in this um, Epiphany Tide. Uh, we've tried to take some time to talk through the ways that we want to experience the season of Epiphany as a season and not just this random bout of ordinary time. Um, so we're excited to think about what it means to experience Christ revealed among us and to see the light of God um, in the midst of this season. And so we'll be turning to the gospel text uh, in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to remind you all uh, that we would love for you to subscribe and to rate and review the podcast if you're a regular listener. That really helps the algorithm um, share continually the work that we do with other people who would find it helpful. And um, so if you could like, subscribe, rate, review, we'd be really grateful. Mm-hmm. That's the end of our public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, do you have any other like introductory framing remarks that you want to make before we read the text today? I've just found this season, you know, seeing Epiphany as a season has been really helpful for me as we move from Christmas, understanding the revelation of God in Christ, and then in towards the season of Lent, because gosh, it's right around the corner in the end of February, starting with Ash Wednesday. And so mm-hmm. I've just been really thankful for how it, it, it's been a new, um, a fresh new way of seeing the season of the liturgy for me uh, as, a, as a pastor this season. So I've just been really blessed by that. Yeah. And, and so before we read the text, I want us to have in mind the images of epiphany, of revelation, of a veil being pulled back, of seeing clearly, um, of recognizing and welcoming the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this epiphany season, as we've been reading uh, texts from Matthew um, about Jesus's ministry and teaching and preaching, um, I hope we are also receiving the fresh revelation, mm-hmm. um, even as we come to a really familiar text like we will be doing today. Right. Um, our text from Matthew is familiar to many who would be listening and probably has been preached several times before, uh, but we hope and pray that as you come to the text this week, that it's new and fresh um, and newly revealed. Amen. I'm reading from the NIV today. I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 5. And we'll read verses 1 through 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Um, There's a couple of maybe framing things that we want to address before we dive into some of the particulars of our text for today. Um, Ben, do you want to talk about the Sermon on the Mount or the mountain on which we find ourselves in today's passage? 
Yeah, I I have just always been so intrigued by the the parallels here between uh, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai from God and then Jesus kind of uh, mirroring that here with the Sermon on the Mount. There's Ten Commands, Ten Words, there's Ten Beatitudes. Um, And so I think even with Matthew's original audience, some bells would have been going off with with what God, like the mission that God was trying to accomplish through Moses is still the same God that is trying to accomplish through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the world. And so I think understanding um, Christ's Sermon on the Mount really does also help us to put the Ten Commandments into perspective as well and and with what God was trying to do um, in in the world uh, all, all the way along from the beginning. Um, and I'm reminded in that passage of Deuteronomy that begins, um, and, and in Exodus that begins with, um, the Decalogue or the 10 words being given. It's not, Moses doesn't come along and then have a call to worship. That's really significant for me. It begins by talking about the character of God, um, in the world. And so God's character is this is the God who delivered you from Egypt. That's like the first word being said mm. uh, before the, the Ten Commandments are being given. And just like you always emphasize the importance of keeping the text in context of what's happening before and after. Last, mm. last Sunday, we just talked about Christ um, you know, being driven into the outskirts, the margins of society because Herod, it's an imperial threat. Herod had just arrested John the Baptist and just like the Holy Family had to leave, you know, uh, their homeland out of that same imperial threat, Jesus is also leaving into Galilee. Then he brings about his disciples, but he delivers people from all of their afflictions. Mm-hmm. And then we immediately jump into the Sermon on the Mount. And so there's this, there's this theme of deliverance, like God's character is being shown. And then yeah. the words are given right after the 10 words. And so I, I don't think we can really miss the, that significance of that parallel there. Totally. That's so good. And I love the mm-hmm. ways that you draw our attention to God's character as being the foundation for this. Um, right before we come to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has called the disciples. And that passage <coughs> always seems... Um, so simplistic to me mm-hmm. like jesus is just like walking around and says hey come on and they're yeah. like oh okay sure <laughs> <laughs> and and uh i mean like i make a joke about it because i think there's so much more that's happening below the surface um i think i've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times that i like frequently reread dietrich bonhoeffer's the cost of discipleship and i find his treatment of um these matthew passages really compelling um and bonhoeffer is always emphasizing that it is this like this like magnetic pull like the like the magnetic pull that issues from the person of christ and that's the thing that really draws the disciples to jesus that in some way they are able to recognize who he is in some mysterious spirit empowered grace and gift of God kind of way, they see who Jesus is and immediately respond with their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in the same way that you pointed to those Deuteronomy passages where the foundation is the God who delivers, the foundation of our text for today, the Beatitudes, is the person and character of Christ who's on a mission um, in the world proclaiming that the reign of God is here and now. 
-hmm. And I think that's, that's really then where we start to kind of unpack some of these things and, and to hold those, hold those together. Absolutely. And I, I think you can really help us with maybe putting into perspective uh, the, the people that this message is first given. I feel mm -hmm. like we hear Israel is really, you know, burned out and broken and kind of really disoriented by Egypt where they have just come from. They're shaped by a different sort of system of thinking mm -hmm. and God grants them this, these 10 words to really aid in that discipleship or shaping and forming of a new people. And I think that's the same spirit or desire here with Christ as he's talking to a, a group of disciples who are also burned out by this system of oppression in Rome and, and what Israel has done to them and even the legalism of Torah and how that's turned into it. So could you, could you talk to us just a little bit about like systems of burnout and, and like the philosophy behind those and maybe that can give us a good bridge to understand better what Christ is trying to accomplish here. Yeah. Thanks for <coughs> inviting me to share some of the stuff I've been reading and learning about. Um, a former professor of mine from Point Loma Nazarene University, Brad Kelly, has done some work um, with a new, uh, a new book out uh, last year um, called The Bible and Moral Injury. Um, mm. And that's really begun to shape some of the ways that I'm reading the, the texts that are in front of me for preaching lately. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the concept, I'll do my best to synthesize what moral injury means or is about. Um, it's basically pointing to the ways that human beings can find their moral compass and their capacity for making moral decisions, uh, the ways that we can find that damaged by the systems with which we are caught up, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, the initial work and the, the coining of the terminology comes from working with um, veterans who have returned from war, uh, mm. where they're caught up in a system and suddenly they're beginning to develop moral convictions while they're there um, in combat. And then they return home and have this like deep cognitive dissonance and don't know how to reconcile things that they've done and the new convictions that they've formed. Um, or uh, another, another example would be um, among the veteran population that they're doing the best they know how to do to follow the orders that they're given and to be faithful to the work that's in front of them. Um, and they return home and realize there have been so much unintended consequences mm. to what they've done. Or um, I watch a, a, a comedy called The Good Place, uh, yeah. which, which is constantly highlighting the ways that moral choices are really complicated for humans, that you can do the best that you know how to do, and there's still some unintended ripple effects of really negative consequences. Right. Um, and, and being caught up in that system. So in the show, The Good Place, they're caught up in this point system of good points and bad points and who ends up in a good place and who ends up in a bad place based on this like constant racketing of points. But the system is rigged because the decisions that we make are so compromised and so complicated, mm. um, which then uh, prevents us in some ways. It, it burns us out. It chews us up and spits us out and, and prevents us from exercising our like moral capacity and from acting from our moral convictions. Uh, I don't know if I've done a good job explaining yeah, like moral injury, but but I, but and and there's so much more to the to the work and to the and to the concept. But I think uh, for our conversation today, I, I want us to think about the ways that participating in a system that 
that like the Israelites were were complicit in um, or had based their identity and their life on what it was meant to to help them do what was right um, but in a lot of ways with the complexity of their world the, the system that they were a part of and those external factors right like trying to keep Torah um, but also trying not to be executed by the invading Roman army right. and finding themselves like in this place of trying to survive and also trying to maintain their convictions and trying to do this work. Um, they, they end up with this kind of moral injury, like mm. hampered from doing the things that they know and believe are right so much so that that, that capacity begins to be diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that, for example, if a child consistently re- receives negative and demeaning feedback, they begin to believe those messages. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, right. uh, so then, when we when we come to this point in the story, I guess what's what's coming to me today as I, I'm reading the text this week is is the ways that the community might have needed a fresh reframing or or a restoration or revival of those of those convictions, the things that they know and believe are right and true and good, the things that they know and believe to be true about who God is and who they are as God's people and what that means to, to, to live, mm-hmm. right? To fully live free. Um, because I, I think that getting caught in these complicated systems had, has beaten them down. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I honestly feel like that's a message for us today as well. Absolutely. Um, I was reading another another article from um, NPR, I believe, about the ways that folks in the medical profession, particularly doctors, are suffering from burnout, but it's not from doing too many things, from like clocking in, clocking out, um, having too many hours. It's this idea of moral injury, that they're, that they're participating in a system that consistently hampers them from doing the work that they're called to do to help people and to save and restore life, right? Um, mm-hmm. And... And that's a that's a simplification. For those who want to read the article, I'll post some some links on our um, on our Facebook page, or we'll include it in the show notes. Um, if you're curious about reading some more about these things, um, but I I think that brings us to our text today by saying uh, we recognize that people are in complicated systems that can prevent them over time, can wear them out and wear them down, um, and and incapacitate them from doing the things that they truly know and believe are right at their core. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, so then so enter Jesus with this like, with this like fresh expression, with this like, like new life and new breath and a fresh way of saying, God is with you. Mm-hmm. God is among you. God is for you. God is with those who are poor in spirit. That's where the kingdom of heaven's at. God is with those who are mourning. God is comforting them as we speak. Mm -hmm. God is with those who are meek and humble. They are already inheriting creation. God is with those who are hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness, and God is already filling them up. Mm. God is with those who are merciful, and God is already showing them mercy. God is with those who are pure in heart, for they are already seeing God. God is with those who are making peace. They are already called children of God. God is with those who are persecuted because of God's righteousness. Theirs is already the kingdom of heaven. That's where it's at. Oh, that's that's so the good. Alicia translation. Yeah, no, so, that's so good. 
for forgive the forgive the liberties <laughs> taken with the text, but I but I hope it it helps us reframe maybe what Jesus is saying and how Jesus is reframing maybe their understanding of the system to which they belong, their Absolutely. identity and their understanding of the character of God. Absolutely, it totally changes the starting point for me from like you know, when you, when you have a law passed down, let's say from a government or something, you don't know the people, you don't, you don't have personal relationships. Um, especially like our, our generations today, like we wonder like what, what good has the government done for the people? You know, like you can have an overly pessimistic, but there's some truth to that as well. Like what does, is it really for the people by the people? Like that's a continued and needed question, but here, like, um, and I think there's a temptation for American Christians to hear both the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount as sort of a legislation passed upon the people. Like, you will be happy if you do this. If you don't, you're going to have these negative consequences. So we hear it in very legislative terms, and then we turn and try to legislate our morality and our values on top of other people. But both in the Old Testament and here, the character of, of God is the first starting point. Like this is the God who delivers you. This is a God of deliverance. And in that relationship, this is where God is going. God is with the poor, delivering them. God is with the meek, delivering them. This is where God is at work. And if, if you want to be part of this kingdom, a God who wants to deliver you as well, then be caught up in this work of deliverance uh, among the people that God is delivering here and now. And so it changes that starting point for me that like, no, like the places in which I feel burned out, eaten up, spit out, God is also delivering me from those systems of injustice, from those systems of seeing myself, the devalued ways that I have learned to love other people mm. in really dehumanizing ways. I can now be delivered from that in the spirit of God. And no wonder they attribute happiness or blessedness with that because God is delivering us from that burnout because we're all burned out by evil and sin and injustice in the world. Yeah. Every single person is. So yeah. God is with those, the people that God is delivering and we then are called to as well. So it changes it from a, uh, like a, a, a faceless obligatory like law to a, a law or a call fused with the character and relationship of God in the world. This is how God is acting. Come along, join us. It's more like this is liberating <laughs> rather than like, here's another thing that I have to put on my to-do list to, to be a part of God's kingdom in the world on top of all the things that are already burning me out. In the totally, totally. And also, I mean, I like to imagine this, this, like <laughs> the trailer, like the preview of what Jesus is about to do in his ministry right jesus says we're going to be among those who are poor in spirit we're going to be among the poor we're going to be among those who are mourning we're going to be among those who are humble and meek we're going to be among those who are already hungry for righteousness we're going to be among the merciful the pure in heart the peacemakers this is where we'll be this is where the kingdom of god is is coming in very particular and concrete ways. And that invitation to join the way and to join the work is really what I hear mm -hmm. in, in 
the Beatitudes. Absolutely. Well, that's so good. I loved how you articulated that, that uh, idea of moral injury. Um, because as I read this as a pastor, I can see not only how the church in America at large, but also myself as a pastor who has even like by mistake or like just ignorance, you know, have caused moral injury, even with this very idea of, of like blessed are the poor, you know, and, and I can cause moral in injury by adding it to a system of burnout. We like, we can employ a system of burnout by trying to kind of call people to this work of God when God's not, God has no desire to use the broken oppressive tools of the world to propel God's mission in the world. There's not, there's no desire of God's heart to do that. God's desire is bringing in a kingdom that's not of this world. that mm. doesn't employ the same tactics, doesn't employ the same categories as the systems of the world does. So we're invited into a whole new system and mm -hmm. that should be motivating and inspiring to us and joyful that we're, we're leaving this old system of burnout. We're being delivered from that into the new way of the kingdom. Um, and so I think it calls for some level of repentance of mm -hmm. how the church has really functioned in the paradigms of the world. You like used systems of burnout to say, well, are you giving enough? Are you, yeah. are you, are you devoting yourself enough? Like kind of these like low key shameful or high key, sh you know, shame, <laughs> shameful language that we use to try to really motivate people. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've heard, at least a few sermons in my lifetime about using the Beatitudes as like a checklist, um, like check your heart, check your life. Like, are you, are you doing enough? Are you being enough? Um, and, and I don't think that that's me, that's an appropriate <coughs> way to preach the text, at least as a, as I'm understanding it right now. Um, and, and rather instead, I think that this is a call to pay attention to who God is, who God loves, and what God is up to. Mm. Um, and then to use that as a litmus test to say, um, to what degree have I found myself fully caught up in the identity and work of God in the world? Mm. Um, rather than like, like making a to-do list and new yeah. resolutions and checklists of things to do and to become. Um, but to say now that more of God has been revealed to me, now what? Yeah, like, like where, so where, that, where then do, do we go? Yeah. Um, because, because while I don't think Jesus is giving a checklist to the disciples who are listening to him, I do think he's calling them to something. And I don't, and I don't want us to like hyper spiritualize or like make this like a hypothetical situation. Like Jesus is calling them somewhere. They're going somewhere. They're doing things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want us to be able to hold this via media between like, oh, this is a checklist of things to do or, oh, this is just like like some beautiful poetry naming like where, where God is in the world. Like right. The, there, there, there is this tension in between where as we name who God is, who God loves, what God is doing, that demands something of those who follow God, right? We ought to be found among the places. So good. Um, loving those who God loves. 
um, finding our hearts broken for the things that break God's heart, mm-hmm. finding ourselves participating, partnering with the work God is already doing in the world, yeah. right? With an attitude of humility, knowing that God has been at work long before any of us were, were here on the scene. And so with humility, participating in where God is already moving by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, um, along and in the model of Christ, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like starting from that place of humility, but also saying like, if God is up to something, then ought we not to be a part of it? Amen. If God is, if God is with people who are poor and hungry and merciful and making peace, then the people of God ought to be with them too. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I got a little preachy. Sorry about no, that. No, you. Do, I mean, it's convicting because you, you just made me think like. So get this, God delivers Israel and then faithfully walks alongside Israel, shaping and forming them, discipling them into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. There's no point at which like God's like, you have to be converted first, <laughs> right? Like God delivers them, meets their needs first and then walks alongside them, shaping them, inviting them into this new life. Jesus does the same thing, calls the disciples, delivers people from all their afflictions, and then says, this is the ways of the new kingdom. <clears throat> if, if you want to be a part of the work of the kingdom, this is how it's going to look and how it's going to yeah. feel. Like, come and follow this. Like, be a part of this work. There isn't this sort of, like, you have to be this high to, you know, follow the kingdom of God. He calls them as they are, right where they are, delivers them first, and then calls them into the new life of the kingdom. It's like, shouldn't that be the, like, the posture of the church? Like mm-hmm. calling people, meeting them where they are, meeting their needs, and then calling them into the life of the kingdom and saying, this is how we're supposed to be shaped and formed. This is how we're committed to be shaped and formed in the world. And if you want to be a part of that new work, this is the way it looks, you know, in the world. And gosh, it just seems like such a, like a fresh call to the, to the original intent of, of Christ for his body in the world. You know, I just, yeah, yeah, that's really convicting. Wow. Like where have we gotten to where we don't meet needs first? You know, we kind of call people to meet this list of, doctrines or a list of beliefs first when the church's primary it seems to to me is a call to deliver others like a call for, for deliverance right right and i and i also like a I can appreciate with compassion how we got to that place, right? Where, where we find ourselves (laughs) participating in a system that we think is doing good. Um, where, where we, yeah, uh, you had, you have mentioned before, um, the ways that being, uh, Wesleyan holiness, Nazarenes, like part of the like American holiness tradition, um, that we can sort of, approach holiness as a thing to be regulated and legislated um Mm -hmm. which again with compassion and empathy i can understand how we got there um but i also think that that kind of system has the the fruits of that kind of system has then been burnout and um a lack of of 
congruency with who God has actually called us to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not, in, not in every single case, but I, but I do think it's a phenomenon worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think after this conversation, I think my desire for like a homiletical doorway to invite my people through would maybe to use a, you know, uh, an, an analogy of comparing between like, you know, when have you been told to do something like say by a local government or a national government, like this is the law you have to follow it, whether it's taxes, like we all know how that feels like when (laughs) like, Oh, we have to pay this new tax. Like, what does that even mean? Like why? I don't understand why I'm being, you know, forced to follow this. You know, you don't have a intimate relationship with governments, but then when a a mentor or a loving parent or a really close friend you know, asks you to do something, it doesn't carry that same, like, almost legalistic weight to it. There's this this deep desire to, oh, I want to be a part of that work. It's, it even, it doesn't take on this feeling of like, you better or else, like a, a tax code does, but this, this compelling to say, because this relationship matters and what this relationship has done for me like this person has poured out their life for me has delivered me from so many things like i want to go and be a part of this uh this desire on on their behalf and so i think i that's kind of half baked but i'm kind of working on how to make that comparison real because i feel like that's the comparison that i hear in this text that we've just talked about with this god who's delivered this god who desires peace and justice in the world and has laid out so much for us then asks us to do this it's not this faceless uh, you know um distant obligatory laws that are handed down from on high it's a god that has come down to meet with us wanting to bridge that gap between us and each other and god totally i love that and then i think in line with like bridging that gap between us and each other and us and god <coughs> i think the 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 kind of concrete preaching moment that I would want to come to this week would be um, about like proximity, about like understanding the character of the God who draws near, um, mm. and that like uh, and and in light of that, the God who draws near, as we follow the God who draws near, we're also drawing near to these these other folks this like this deepening of relationship and connection and empathy yes. and compassion and and just um connectedness mm-hmm. um i think is is really the the call i'm hearing from the text today to remind folks that that we belong to god we belong to each other um and this is the kingdom of heaven yeah amen hey well thanks so much for your insight today i'm really inspired to continue working on my sermon this for this coming sunday <laughs> happy to be of service (laughs) Uh, but seriously it's always a pleasure to open the text and to bring um fresh insights we hope to to familiar passages and that we can bring uh all parts of our reading and study and reflection to the text and see the ways that god stirs up um a call to continue to be faithful. Mm-hmm. It's a joy and a privilege to read the scriptures together. Um, and we're grateful for all of our listeners as well. We'll remind you again, please, if you find this resource helpful, like, subscribe, share, invite other people to come and listen to and um, help us continue to do this work 
that we find valuable and that we know that um, those of you who participate in this community also find valuable. So mm -hmm. our prayers for you is that you preach boldly um, and that you find yourself with a fresh revelation of who God is um, grounded among your people this week. Uh, like uh, we always say, check out our website, read the stellar contributions there, and we'll see you next week. Peace.